What's up, everybody? Welcome into the How Not to Be a Youth Pastor podcast. Your favorite two youth pastors getting together to talk about how little they know about youth ministry every single week. And this week, Derek, we are sponsored by Quick Trip. Quick Trip! Uh, one of the greatest gas stations ever. I would say so. Uh, a chain that uh, I think they're primarily in the Midwest, but uh, they've got, not only do they have great gas, but uh, the selection in store, especially of like bananas, milk, some other grocery items. <laughs> Literally everything. Is uh, is second to none. I do feel our Southern audience uh, is going to have some qualms with us as isn't it Bucky's that is like a huge thing down south? Mm-hmm. And uh we don't we don't get to have the pleasure of that. Have you ever been to a Bucky's, Kyle? I don't think so, no. I've seen I've seen all the TikToks, all the reels about how great Bucky's is, but we're uh the other question I had is do quick trips go down south or is it just a Midwest thing? I'm trying to find it. Um I did see that quick trip in 2023 took home the top u.s gas station honor for the fourth consecutive year come on quick trip so that's uh that's pretty impressive i typed in bucky's while you were doing that as well (laughs) and uh the first thing that comes up is you know bucky's.com their website and under their about tab bucky's is a chain of large format travel centers known for their clean restrooms like that is their claim to fame. Apparently, is their right. clean restrooms. So, next time we go on a road trip, Kyle, we'll make sure to check out the restrooms. I don't know why. I mean, I guess I enjoy a clean restroom, but that's that's bold for you to put your stamp on. That's what we're known for: is our clean bathrooms. But I also want to, you know, appreciate that about a establishment. Like there are plenty of establishments where the bathrooms are second, third, fourth, last thought. Yeah. And uh it's not a pleasant experience. No. So we we appreciate uh you know for for those of us who road trip or or do anything like that, we appreciate We're pastors, we don't have enough money for that. Well, we don't have enough money to fly places. That's why we road trip. <laughs> uh that's true. Um Today's episode, uh, episode 97. We are climbing. Creeping up on episode 100. Derek and I have been teasing for quite a few weeks now that uh, we've got something special lined up for episode 100 that we are very, very excited about. Um, something that we should talk off air about actually putting together. Indeed. But, uh, <laughs> well, uh, we'll get there. We're youth pastors. We procrastinate. It's what we do. Uh, until then, though, we are today going to be wrapping up uh, the series that we have been doing, a, a five-part series talking about senior pastor transition, uh, kind of highlighting what has been going on at our church uh, here in Minnesota. And uh, today we're wrapping it up. We, we talked about, you know, a pastor leaving, uh, the, the standard pastors are held to, pastors leaving unexpectedly. What does that look like from their perspective? What does it look like from the church's perspective? Uh, what does that interim process look like? That's what we talked about last week. And so today we are wrapping up that conversation with uh, talking about how to bring on a new lead pastor. And so before we dive in to, I, I wanted to kind of wrap that all up, set the stage, but before we do that, uh, our quick question, Derek, is going to kind of lead into uh, some of this conversation. Uh, what are some of the qualities or characteristics that you would say make a good lead pastor? Yeah, I think this has honestly changed for me over the years of, of being in it. I used to think like what when I think of like a good lead pastor, like there's a few things I thought of just off the top of my head years ago. Good with people, you know, good in front of people, uh, kind of that charismatic uh, personality. I don't mean like the the church form of charismatic. I mean yeah. <laughs> like the the cultural normal version yep. of charismatic, like that bubbly personality, warm, easy to talk to, um, strong, confident leader, all these different things. And all those things are great, make no mistake. But I just feel like I have learned uh, in being in the role and, and seeing how other people do it well some of the lead pastors that I think are truly top tier, like they're all humble. They're all insanely humble. Like they, they're teachable, they're coachable, regardless of how long they've been in it, how big their church is, how small their church is. Um, 
they're all sitting here going like, what can I do better? How can I improve? How can I reach uh, my people more effectively? They kind of have that that humble spirit. Uh, they also kind of have this uh, leadership style that is not always domineering. Like if you're familiar with the DISC profile, um, that the letter D on DISC is, is kind of that dominant, strong, like this is the decision we're making and you're going to stand by it. I used to think that was the the standard that all lead pastors have, but I'm, I'm finding very few actually do have that, that strong D personality. Uh, I've seen a lot of leaders that are just, they care for their staff, they care for their people, uh, and they lead not with an iron fist, but they lead out of example and they lead out of let me go first and you follow me. I love how Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. You know, like I think that really is what I've seen in, in some lead pastors and above all, man, uh, this sounds like a cop out, but it's true. Some of the qualities that I have just really, really noticed are people that are in love with the Lord, um, really thrive in this lead pastor role. Uh, cause what I have found out is it's one thing to have gifts and personality styles and all those different things. And, the education from a Bible college, that's all fantastic, but that's only going to get you so far. Like you got to have that anointing. You got to have that ability to lean into the Lord because as you know, even being a youth pastor, uh, it's not all roses. It's not all easy. It's not all just, ah, whatever. Like it's, there, there are some tough burdens you bear and uh, the, the qualities that I've seen pastors thrive under are those that can just lean on the Lord in all circumstances. So that's a lot. But. I like it. No, that's good. I think uh, one, of, one of the things that comes to my mind, if you think about the structure of working in a church, and this actually probably goes for more than just a lead pastor, but most people that, that you know work at a church, the, the structure of a church is not really, you know, here's this deadline, meet this, meet this goal, meet this, you know, task mm-hmm. uh and and you have all these tasks you're doing it's it's a it's much more fluid and it's much harder to uh to measure than yeah, that i like that uh and so having somebody i i think everybody who works at a church has to have a degree of kind of being a self-starter uh because you're not gonna have i mean for me as a youth pastor I, what's my job description uh lead the youth ministry you know, yeah, right. <laughs> like, like to, I mean, you know, there there can be a lot more, and there should be a lot more to it than that. But it really comes down to like, well, I'm in charge of the youth ministry. If you're the worship leader, you're in charge of uh, worship. Yeah, <laughs> and and everything else that comes out of that, to some degree, you know, is is you carrying out the vision of the lead pastor. Yeah, and then you setting a further vision for the ministry that you oversee. And so yep. I, I think being kind of that self-starter, uh, you know, you self-motivated yeah. uh, personality, I think is really important, especially for a lead pastor, because they're the one that are, that are setting the tone on all of that. Uh, I do think that there's a balance of, you know, you, you cannot, I agree with what you said. I think, you know, senior pastors that are just 100% that dominant personality, it's not going to work very well. Uh, but you can't be 0% either. Right. Um, I think that there are too many lead pastors out there that are 0% domineering, mm-hmm. and that's how you get uh, you know, individual unhealthy ministries underneath them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and not necessarily unhealthy as in toxic, but you know, maybe unhealthy as in stagnant. Yeah. Uh, or they're, they're just not growing they're not thriving like the rest of the church because their leadership uh you know there's there's an issue or uh that person shouldn't be in that leadership position and and nobody's had the stones to say huh. hey you need to step it up or or maybe we need to find somebody else to lead this ministry yeah cuz it's no fun when you have to do that you know i uh my wife and i've been going through a bible study through the book of nehemiah which i'm convinced is the greatest leadership book of all time. Like no offense, Craig Groeschel or John Maxwell, but like Nehemiah is like seriously the greatest book on leadership. And I love looking at that through the lens of leadership. Cause like Nehemiah like d- battles 
external opposition, people that were against his mission. But then he also battled people wanting to jump off the mission. Like mm. they're starting to build the wall. They're getting yeah. tired. They're getting exhausted. You know, they're starting to get other influences. And, and Nehemiah had to step up and make some tough calls and say, sometimes like, suck it up. Let's go. Let's keep going. And other mm. times like, you know, comforting and all those different things. But I say all that to say like, you, I love what you said, Kyle. You you can't be that that I'm gonna run you over leader, but you also need to be capable of making some tough calls and understanding that you might not have the I shouldn't say the blessing, but like I'm sure you've had this. Like sometimes your lead pastor makes a call that you don't like, that mm-hmm. you don't agree with. Yep. But you still have to follow it because you're underneath their authority. Uh, as a leader, it, it that's still tough. When you, when you know that those beneath you are not on board with your decision, yet you feel for whatever reason that this needs to be the decision, that can be lonely. That can be tough. But like you got to have the courage and the bravery to step into it, uh, knowing this is what God's calling me to do. This is what I believe is right. And I'm asking you to follow me. Like that's, that's tough. Yeah, there are... Excuse me. There are parallels to you know qualities that make a good senior pastor and qualities that make a good husband in a marriage. Mm. Uh, you know the the idea of you know as a senior pastor, you need to put your congregation's needs above your own. Mm-hmm. Uh, you need to be heavily listening to. That's a weird adjective to throw in there, but <laughs> you need to really be listening to your staff mm-hmm. uh, and uh, what what are their needs? What are they seeing? What are they hearing? Uh, you know, making sure that you are uh, attuned to to some of those things, but at the same time, you are the one that ultimately makes the decision, and you're the one that ultimately carries the responsibility. And so, like you said, you know taking into account maybe what this staff member or what this congregation member is saying, but also, okay, I'm going to make the decision and it's on me. It's not on them. So I'm going to make the decision I feel is best. I'm going to make the decision that I feel that God is leading us toward. And if it's the same as theirs, awesome. If it's not the same as theirs, I'm still going to have, you know, a strong enough, uh, a, a conviction to make that decision. Yeah. And then I need to make sure that I follow up with that person and explain, you know, here's why I, I made the decision, you know, against you for yeah. lack of a better phrase. Right. Yeah. And that's that follow up piece is the piece that I think it's missed the most. Yep. Um, I think it's one of those things where uh, y- you have this, this decision and you stick by it and I think two competing things kind of results from you not following up. One, insecurity. <laughs> you know, especially if you make the call and mm-hmm. it's the wrong call. Uh, sometimes it's not always that objective of right and wrong. Sometimes it's just like, I made this decision and uh, yeah, it could have went this way, but it could have went that way. Uh, so insecurity can do it. But other times, sometimes it kind of, there's this power trip of, like you're going to listen to me, you know, and like this, this is what's going to happen. And I'd like to say that's not the case, but there are other, I've seen it in places. I've interned at places. I've, I've, I've seen it. Uh, it happens. It happens from time to time. And, uh, to really kind of jump into caring for your staff, you do have to have that follow-up piece and say, look, I wasn't trying to go over the top of you, but I love what you said of this is why I made the call at you. Because they might not know that. Mm-hmm. They, might, they might just see the decision you're making and think that you're doing it for ulterior motives, when in reality, you see a part of the picture they don't. Or even you can give them the benefit of the doubt, but they're still seeing you know, a different part of the picture. Mm-hmm. And, and they don't have, like I as the youth pastor don't have the entire... Uh, you know, access to the entire picture that you as the senior pastor do. And mm-hmm. so I might, I mean, you know, we'll use a silly example, but like, Hey, I, I asked for more money in my youth budget mm-hmm. uh, for, for the next year. And, and I laid out like there, God has placed a fire in me and there's these things that I want to do and I need more money in order to do them. Uh, and, and so I'm meeting with the senior pastor, this, 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 and the budgets come back and I didn't get what I asked for. And and if that's where the conversation stops, like I can say, okay, 
that sucks. Mm-hmm. But I understand that, like, like, I can almost say in my head everything that my senior pastor would say mm-hmm. if they met with me. Like, I understand that there's not an unlimited budget and there, you know, are other things that have to be taken into consideration. Yeah. Just because I, as the youth pastor, know all of those things doesn't mean that the senior pastor, there wouldn't be a great benefit to the relationship by them following back and and just following up and saying, hey, here's, here's, you know, why, you know, I I was able to get you a little more than you had last year, but not as much as you were asking. And I still think that this vision's great. And so, you know, let's pursue some of those things. And maybe there's, you know, some fundraising things we can do, or, you know, let's just push this out one more year, whatever it is. Uh, you know, some of those things I think are, uh, are really, really important for lead pastors to keep in mind. One more piece and then we'll, we'll move on. Um, and this, I think this applies to every area of the church, not just lead pastors, but, uh, man, (laughs) I can't overstate how big communication is it just in general, like like, like a, a lead pastor that communicates not just his or her vision, not just his or her, uh, goals and dreams. And here's, here's where we're going. Here's what we're doing. But just like that day-to-day communication is instrumental to everything you're going to do. Check in with your staff. How are they doing? How are they feeling? What's on their heart? What's God teaching them? What's God speaking to them? What's he doing outside of their church life? Like get involved in their life as much as they're willing to do. At the same time, you can't be involved in everything they're doing. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I've talked with my staff in length. Like if there is something that I need to know, like come and talk to me right away, like right, right, right away, whether it's big or small, like I can't, I don't enjoy having things underneath that are, are, are disheveled. Like let's have a conversation. Let's communicate. Uh, I, and, and this applies for youth pastors too. It, the, the same standard should be applied to your youth leaders and everything else as well. Like you got to communicate and there's got to be a two way communication from the top down. And, uh, the lead pastors that, that do it the best, man, they, their staff are tight and they're tight because they know how to communicate to them effectively. hundred percent. So let's move into uh, kind of the discussion that we want to have today, talking about you bringing a new lead pastor into a church and we will use lead pastor and senior pastor interchangeably. We already have throughout this episode as I've been (laughs) listening to us talk. Uh It's the same thing. Uh, I I once, so what do you like? What's the title you prefer? Just because like I, I'm far from a senior. You know what I'm <laughs> that's saying? What I, that's what I was going right. to say is I feel like uh, people, pastors that are in that t- top position mm-hmm. uh, tend to lean heavily toward being the lead pastor if they're, say, under 50, yeah. at least under 40, <laughs> yeah, uh, for sure. And so uh, I, I think that's really the the biggest uh you know, difference that you'll see between the two. And to be clear, if someone calls him a senior pastor, I don't blink. I'm not like, well, I'm not the senior. I, no, I, I'm not old. I'm not a senior pastor. Yeah, no, uh, I, I, I don't blink. I, <laughs> I, I tend to go by lead pastor just because like you said it. Yeah. I feel younger when I say lead pastor. There you go. That's what it's all about. I was going to, uh, when we were talking about the qualities that make a good senior pastor, I was just going to go with, well, uh, I think the best senior pastors are about five, eight, five, nine. <laughs> Uh, they wear black sweatshirts with flannel over the top. Can't grow facial hair. Can't grow. Fa- <laughs> uh, maybe, I don't know, 28, 29 years old, yeah, somewhere something like there. That. Uh, but uh, anyways, so we teased on the last episode that there was a, from a youth pastor perspective, a staff pastor's perspective, uh, there's, there's a piece to bringing on a new lead pastor that not most congregation members do not realize Mm -hmm. is a thing. Yeah. Uh, And I looked for data on this and I could not find it for the life of me. And so unfortunately I don't have that, but I I do have loose numbers I've been told. Mm -hmm. So we'll try to roll with that. Um, But the, the surprise I think that many people don't realize is that when a church goes through a senior pastor transition and they bring somebody new on the jobs of every staff member are up in the air. Mm -hmm. Um, it is 
from what from every everything that I could gather, uh, it seems that the general overall consensus is that it's about 50-50. I would say that, yeah. Uh, you know, for for any individual staff member on whether or not they will keep their job when a new lead pastor comes in. And so I want to unpack for a minute why that is and and some of the reasons behind it because it's not just, you know, they they want to come in and clean house because everything before them was bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's I was listening to uh, and, and we will, we, we love to plug our, um, I wasn't gonna call them rival podcasts, but this podcast has absolutely nothing to do with youth ministry. So it's not really a rival. Also, they're way better than us. So also not, a, uh-huh. I feel like for a rivalry to be a true rivalry, you both have to win and be on equal footing. I feel like that's your high school football team being rivals with the Green Bay Packers. Right. <laughs> doesn't, yeah. It doesn't yeah. make much sense. Yeah. It's, it's the biggest school in the state being rivals with the smallest school in the state. Uh-huh. Like they're not rivals. No. They just get beat up. Uh-huh. Uh, but uh, I was listening to the uh, Jordan Peterson podcast. I don't know if you've ever uh, listened to to his podcast before. It is it is high level stuff. Sometimes I have to listen to it on half speed just so that I can sure. process everything. But uh, and I don't even know like what the episode was about or or why. Uh, but it was you know what? Let me look it up because I I want to make sure that that I get this right. Uh, do you know who Jordan Peterson is? Uh, the name sounds familiar, but like I can't put a face with who you're he talking. Is, I've never listened to his podcast. I mean, I'll show you a picture of it. That's not going to help our listeners. Okay, but uh, Jordan Peterson is a Canadian uh, philo- uh, psychologist. Okay, I think. Yep, Canadian um, professor of psychology, a clinical psychologist. There you go. Anyways. Uh, I, I say all that to say, uh, he had a, a guy on his podcast and they were talking about, uh, how terrible communism is basically. (laughs) And (laughs) he's from Canada. I mean, socialism and communism are different. <laughs> I but know. I'm just he saying. He also is not the biggest fan of Canada's government, sure. even though he is from Canada, lives sure. in Canada. Uh, but anyways, uh, when compared to, you know, communist China, USSR, uh-huh. I, I think Canada's looking pretty good right Way now. Way better, yeah. Uh-huh. But anyways, so uh, they were talking about how... Uh, one of the flaws with communism, and I can't believe I'm comparing this to church leadership, but one of the flaws with communism is really a flaw with intellectuals in general, like high-level intellectuals, is a uh, almost a narcissist and, and arrogance uh, there that, well, everything was bad until I... Like, it didn't work because I wasn't there. Sure. Uh, I think a lot of people think of, like, communism, if you really boil it down... You know, you're like, okay, like that that actually sounds pretty good. The reason it must not have worked is because I wasn't there to run it. And everybody has had that thought in the past and everybody was wrong. We're not here to get into (laughs) communism right now. But my point is, uh, sometimes I think lead pastors can come into churches and, and everybody has the perspective, well, any problems that we had were because of the person that just left. Sure. Any problems that we had are because of this person we need to get rid of. And I don't think that it's ever that simple. And so a lead pastor coming in, and I'm getting ahead of myself. We're going to come back to the the job stuff, I guess. But... With a with a new lead pastor coming in, you've you there has to be a high level of grace mm-hmm. and patience mm-hmm. because all the things that you want to see them change, they're not going to change day one. It's it's steering the Titanic. It's like steering the Titanic, but the guy at the wheel like just hopped on board right. and has no idea what the you know what the plan was up until that point. And so when, when you, for a senior pastor coming in, there's relationships they have to build. Uh, there's time that they need to put in. There's going to be some things they change right away. Mm-hmm. We talked about this uh, from a youth pastor perspective um, a while back. But uh, we actually, we talked about it pretty in depth. Uh, episode 59, if you want to go back and look at it, we had Derek's youth pastor Riley on and talked about when a new youth pastor comes on. Uh, you know, kind of talked about this from, from that perspective. Mm-hmm. But I think that... My my point is, 
patience and grace are so, so important when bringing on a new lead pastor because all the problems that you might see in your church, in your, you know, in uh, the youth ministry, whatever, it's not going to be solved by one new lead pastor coming in overnight. They're also going to see problems you don't think are problems as well. That's they're, a good point. They're, they're going to come in and they're going to start to change things that you don't think are broken. And that's also a point of contention. You know, you're going to sit there and go, I, I think we need to fix it. This is horrible. And then all of a sudden he or she looks at you and goes, no, I'm going to change this. And and th- there's a reason. I'd be curious to know, Kyle. I know, you know sometimes when you have this staff turnover, I think sometimes it's instituted, let's call it by the lead pastor. They come in, they it's not working out. Hey, we're going to let you go. I'm bringing in my own person. That happens. It does. That's mm-hmm. why your job's not always safe. They might have a yep. youth pastor or an associate pastor that they've worked for the last 30 years with. And when they got hired, they're bringing their person in. That happens. Uh, but there's also, I think, what I would consider um, the existing staff leave of their own accord because they don't like the changes the person's making. You know, they might come in and start making changes and the person's going, we've done this for 20 years. I know, but I'm changing this. Well, I don't like that. Okay, well, then they try to work it out, but then they can't come to an agreement and they leave of their own accord. So um, it is it is one of those things. I love the word you said, grace, because there's got to be grace given to the lead pastor. I would say more so by the staff than by the, by the lead pastor because he's coming in or she's coming in cold, like hot dropping in, probably doesn't know what's going on uh, and you got to be gracious with them. Uh, but then also, if you're a lead pastor, you got you got to extend that same grace and kind of uh, be there for your staff because there are going to be a lot of changes that are coming, some slow, some immediate, uh, but it just takes time. And uh, I think, I'd be curious to know what you think, Kyle. Um, if you know that's happening, I'd be curious to know what you believe if you're a youth pastor, okay, and you all of a sudden now there's a vacancy in your church or there's, you know, one's coming for various reasons. Do you feel it is right or wrong to at least keep your options open? What I mean by that is before I took my lead pastor position, my lead pastor had been very upfront with me. Hey, I'm going to be stepping down in this amount of time. And I was well aware of this first point of your job is not safe. I knew that I was not guaranteed a job just because things were going well. So I started to look at other openings. I started to just kind of kick some tires. I never sat down for an interview. I never did any of that, but I did keep my options open just in case or just in case I felt like God was leading me other directions. I'd be curious to know what your stance is on that as you're awaiting that transition. Yeah, um, I'd be lying if I said I hadn't looked. Uh, You know, like, and and I think it's, you know, kind of like you said, I I haven't like sat down for interviews or, Mm -hmm. you know, emailed churches or anything like that. Uh, but just, you know, keeping an eye out, mm-hmm. uh, you know, seeing what is out there. Uh, you know, I've, I, I have not had any conversations with anybody, uh, but, but I do think that it's, you know, kind of the responsible thing to do uh, because, you know, as much as I'd love to stay here, I do also have a family uh, to provide for and, uh, you know, all of that. And so I, I do think that for us as youth pastors, we have to, you, you, there's a fine line between uh, loyalty and stubborn, ignorant, stubborn ignorance in, in this situation where, you know, I'm, you're not marketing yourself out, mm-hmm. but I don't think it ever hurts to like, I'm just going to kind of see what's out there, get a pulse for, for where things are at. And, uh, and we can kind of go from there. And so, uh, I I do want to kind of come back to this whole idea though, because we got sidetracked by talking about communism for five minutes, (laughs) which nobody saw coming, but, uh, yeah, no, I, I didn't see it coming. I didn't (laughs) anyways. Uh, but, but like Derek said, I think there's, I think you're right. There's two different, you know, ways that a youth pastor will leave their job in this uh, transition, one being of their own accord. And it might not even be a contentious like, hey, you made a change that I don't like, I'm out. Uh, It could be something as simple as, you know, we just don't mesh well Mm -hmm. together. Uh, You know, you're talking about the person that you're going to be working alongside very closely 
uh, you know, with, with your job. And, uh, there are styles that don't mesh together. Uh, there are, I mean, even if, and this isn't necessarily a youth pastor thing, it could be, but if you look at, uh, a, a smaller church setting where let's say you've got a senior pastor and an admin, and that's the only staff. Mm-hmm. If the senior pastor that is currently at the church is very much a people person, very much a, uh, you know, I want to meet with people, I want to be with people, uh, you know, that's their personality. A lot of times that personality type is not very well organized. And so you need that admin mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, to, to help you function well as a senior pastor. Mm-hmm. If he, if that person leaves and a new senior pastor comes in and the new senior pastor is like administration is one of their gifts. And if they're going to have a second person on their staff, it's probably going to be an associate pastor that can also do some admin and, and a lot of people stuff. Uh, you know, you're talking about like, it's nothing against the current admin, mm-hmm. but the job requirements have shifted because the personality of the lead pastor shifted. Yeah. And so there's going to be, there's going to be things like that where, uh, it's not because the, the new person coming in hates you. It's not because you hate them. It's just the reality of the situation. Uh, and, and then the other one would be like Derek said, you might have a lead pastor come in and say, Hey, if, if you guys hire me, I want to bring in these two people with me yep. or I want to bring this one person with me, or I want to bring this whole staff with me. I don't know. Uh, but that's, that's something that, you know, they might have a lot of trust built up. Uh, they know how they do ministry. Uh, and, and I don't know, I'd be curious to know too, we really should have done more research before this episode. Uh, I, to be fair, I did try, and uh, I, I could not find no, any you good, reliable statistics. Or a podcast. Like, I did try. No, uh, we should have done more research for this episode because <laughs> we say that a lot. We do say that a lot. Uh, I, I think that, like, like for a lead pastor coming in, if they're going to bring staff with them, I wonder which positions are most common for them to bring with. Yeah. If I had to guess, I feel like like an executive slash associate role and like a worship leading role. Hmm. I in my my initial gut reaction, and, and you know, I, I could be wrong, but those seem like the two roles on a church staff that would work the closest with a, a lead pastor. Not to say that kids or youth or uh, groups, men's women, you know, all of these ministries, they, yeah. they still have to work with the lead pastor, but an executive or associate role and, and the worship leader, I, I feel like are the two that work with the lead pastor the most. Yeah. I've only seen it play out once, uh, this scenario once, and they brought their youth pastor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's, it, I'm sure it tr- truly is very variable in terms of, and it, where they're coming from too, you know? Cause like dep- if they're coming from another church, if they're bringing their exec and that worship pastor with them, like that church, like that, that a church just turnover. got gutted. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, 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 you know, some people just aren't ready for that, you know? So I'm, I'm sure it is. There's probably a reason there's not a whole lot of data because I'm sure it is very variable and very subjective to the situation. Yeah, that's true. I also think that, uh, you know, one of the thoughts I've had on this over the last six months is that the circumstances also totally. matter. The totally. church size also matters. Uh, you know, if you have a church of a hundred, uh, it's really easy to turn over the entire staff when a new lead pastor comes in. Do you want to know why? Because the lead pastor is the only one on staff. <laughs> and so, like, oh, that, that was that was an easy uh-huh. turnover. Uh, you also even like a a very rural church, you probably won't have as much turnover because. How you know, like you don't have other options. Mm-hmm. You're you know you're pulling somebody you know to move to this new city with you. Uh, if you're in a suburban or an urban context, there are plenty of other you know churches and and leaders that are operating in those roles that are at other churches that want to come to your church or whatever. Yep. If you're in a r- small town rural context, there are fewer of those people around. Totally. 
and then, you know, the context of the transition itself, if you have, you know, somebody who is retiring uh, and somebody on staff is stepping into, uh, you know, that role, that could be that that might be something where there's a little bit more stability mm-hmm. because it's something that has been planned. Uh, that person is coming from within. Uh, if you have a transition like ours, uh, I, I you know I hesitate to speculate on this, but when you have a transition where uh, there's a moral failure involved, it's a very sudden transition. Uh, it you know it. I I don't want to sound too overconfident, but. You know, there. I feel like there are some aspects of our church that are working really, really well, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, having that one piece change doesn't have to necessitate changing over all of the other ones as well. Uh, I'm not naive enough to think that that won't happen or it couldn't happen. But no, but the, there is something to be said about the the shock factor of the congregation. Unless mm-hmm. a lead pastor comes in and goes, "There's cancer here that we got to eradicate." It would be a very brash decision to clean house, knowing how much a church like yours has went through. Like they just lost a lead pastor unexpectedly. For them to take out the youth pastor unexpectedly would would probably be a devastating blow to just the the morale and the culture and all those different things that go into it. And so I I think that's a huge piece of it too. Is when it is unexpected, unplanned, like especially right away, unless they have something really tangible or there's something very cancerous, mostly pastors will hold tight until they can kind of get a better lay of the land. Yeah. I think that, uh, you know, you could potentially see that I've seen or not seen, I've heard of, uh, churches doing it where they have a new pastor come in and the board will tell them, Hey, a lot of times if a, if a new lead pastor is coming in and they know I'm going to bring, you know, Jimmy with me mm-hmm. as my youth pastor, mm-hmm. the, they're going to tell the board that the board's going to know that or, yep. or the board very well should know that yep. before they, you know, hire oh, no a new lead pastor yeah. before they're voted on or, you know, however your church does it, uh, that, that, if they're pre-planning to bring somebody in, the people should be aware of that. Mm-hmm. Um, that not to say that you know the current youth pastor should start an insurrection <laughs> against them. Like we're not advocating for that at uh-huh. all. Uh, I, I think that you need to, because I've thought about you know we like the way that our church does it. You know we've got a search committee. That that's out right now. We talked about this on the last episode. We got a search committee out right now that's that's looking for a senior pastor. Uh, they will bring a suggestion to our board, and they'll go through a whole interview process, and then eventually the congregate, all the members of our church vote. And I think according to the bylaws, they have to have like two thirds majority mm-hmm. in order to be elected. Uh, but anyways, we as staff are by default members of the church. And so I get to vote in that uh in that vote for, you know, to approve a a candidate to be our senior pastor. And so I've thought about like if if I know that they are bringing in a new youth pastor and and that I won't be staying here. Like do I still vote? Do I just abstain? Do I vote no? Do I vote yeah, you know, like Interesting. It, it, it's a really and and it's, you know, there's no guarantee that that's going to happen uh, to me, let alone any staff member. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's a kind of a funny thing that that I thought of, and I don't, I don't know. It was just kind of interesting. It, it gets, it gets dicey, and I, I think it goes back to the whole grace thing. Like, if if you're going through this this scenario, this season, just understand there's going to be a lot of questions, and a lot of times there's not going to be answers for quite some time, and like. You have to be okay with that. And yeah. I think that's why it's so vital. Uh, I've seen Kyle model this, like just to have your outlets, you know, people that, you know, are on the outside that you can vent to good, bad, and ugly because it's going to, it's going to get messy. Like it doesn't matter what kind of a transition, even, even if it's like a retiring, you know, and it's like, we're sending them off in good graces. It's planned. It's thought out. There's still going to be just, chunky non-smooth things that arise because there's a the the quarterback if you will just left 
Yeah. You know, like if you look at any NFL team, even though they all practice together, even though they all have seamless stuff, there's always just chunky stuff that happens because that one person did things one way and now there's somebody else doing that too. So like you have to be able to have your outlets to make sure that you're able to process through all of this together uh, because you are going to have to come underneath someone's leadership and that takes, that just takes some time to get used to and some grace on your part. Yep. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about uh, when, when you're bringing on a new senior pastor. Uh, a lot of times, and I think we mentioned this briefly as well at some point throughout the series, but when, when a new, when an old lead pastor leaves and when a new lead pastor comes in, those are two uh, pivotal moments in a church's uh, metrics where finances and attendance uh, do one of three things. They go down, they stay the same, or they go up. And and that's not breaking information. Those are the three options. Uh, they're <laughs> there the only is three no options. other option. But uh, I, I want to talk for a little bit about, you know, how do you as, as a staff pastor, as the youth pastor, a part of a church, uh, how do you look at uh, those things? Because you know that there's a possibility that you're going to lose some of your youth students when a new lead pastor comes on, like the, you know, their parents are like, ah, we don't really like their style or Mm -hmm. whatever, their preaching style, whatever. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we're not going to, we're going to move churches. Uh, You know, and whenever there's a change in attendance, there typically is also a change in finances and, and giving as well. And so what, uh, cause Derek, uh, you know, obviously you stewarded a, a lead pastor change. Mm-hmm. Uh, what were some of the things that you looked at and, and looked for when it came to, uh, you know, these metrics yeah. in that transition? Yep. It's a great question. So the national average in a pastoral transition is 30% to the negative. Um, the average is you see a 30% dip in people in the seats and you see a 30% dip in finances accordingly. Again, that's the average. So there are some churches that, uh, you know, do better than that. Some churches that do way better than that. Some churches that do worse than that, you know, and, and that, and that's the scary part. Uh, and so, uh, some of the metrics we looked at, we did, we looked at both of these, obviously finances and attendance for sure. We, we continue to look at, uh, but I also looked at, you know, we, I have the luxury of our church is about currently about 155, 160 on a weekend. Uh, we're a rural church. So I have a pretty good idea of everyone who walks through the door, yeah. who they are, what their family looks like, all these different things. Um, and this is what was tough is we looked at the numbers, you know, and we were fortunate enough to have very little drop off. We had a very, very stable transition, which was good. Um, but the thing I looked at was, uh, who, who stayed, you know, sure. like, well, what, what kind yeah. of families do we have? Um, and, and, and to me there, I got to work right away. of just kind of establishing those connections and asking, Hey, here's what I, here's what I could use from you right now. Like just be here, you know, and, and just do these different things. Uh, but the other thing that was also interesting was, uh, new people. That was a metric that we looked at a lot. Who's new? Uh, why are they new? Uh, who's who's returning? Uh, some of those were some of those were the other metrics that we looked at um, that were really really helpful. Because here's what I will say as well: is you have to look at these metrics, but you need to be so careful because a lot of times I saw some of the first few families that left. Some of them left right away, you know, because just naturally when that transition happens, it's just a natural parting point. Nothing against you, Derek. I've, I've heard this like literally verbatim. Nothing against you. We just like, we live further away now and we just figured with the transition time, it was uh, good for us to, yeah. you, know, you know, cool. Totally. That's fine. Um, I expected that. Mm-hmm. The ones that were tougher were the ones that were here for three months, six months, and then they left. Yep. You know, and that's where uh, you have to be so careful about watching those numbers because then you can start to get into this mindset of what did I do wrong or what am I not good enough at or, or, or where, what did I do to make them leave? And 
Sometimes it was me. Just like I, I'm a much different personality. I'm loud. I am very like, ah, like I have a lot of energy. And some people just straight up don't like that. And that's that's not a dig against me. It's just that you talked about meshing before. We just don't mesh, and mm-hmm. that's fine. Um, but the the thing that you also have to again going back to the metrics. I also gain some people back with that as well. That 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 kind of like that personality. So you got it. You got to check attendance. You got to check finances. You got to check all those different things. Um, but here's what I would say. Um, and I know this maybe isn't the exact question you asked, Kyle, but I think it's something that needs to be said. Whether you're a lead pastor coming in or whether you're a staff pastor staying, you need to understand you can only control what you can control. You can't control people staying or leaving. You can't control whether or not they continue to give. You can't. You have to control what you control, which is I'm going to continue to lead well. I'm going to continue to cast vision. I'm going to continue to step out in boldness and do what I believe God's called me to do with conviction. You have to control what you can control and trust that God will bring the rest. Because here's what my wife and I have had a lot of conversations about is it's tough to see people leave. I'm sure you've seen people leave. And I'm sure some of them didn't surprise you, but some of them really did surprise you for good or bad. And I think to me, what I've had to understand is, again, we're a rural church. Literally have a cornfield in my backyard at our church. Like that is how rural we are. Um, And we're a church of 150, 160. Some people want something outside of that. So they go to a church that you and I both know, Kyle, that is a lot larger. They've got multiple campuses around here. They're very big. They have a big production. And we see people go there. And we see people come from there too. But regardless, what I've understood is that these are not my people. They are the Lord's people. They are the Lord's sheep, you know? And like, if I truly want them to grow and I truly want them to know Jesus, I have to be okay with the fact that they might go somewhere else to experience that. Like they might go to a different church and grow and I can't be upset with that if they are truly growing. Because if I want them to, our mission is to see people come alive in Christ. If I want to see people come alive in Christ, I have to be okay with the fact that they might do that at a different church. Yeah, that's true. Um, I think that kind of the final... uh, yeah, it's not really a warning, maybe just a piece of caution or wisdom to to staff pastors, youth pastors that are going through a transition like this when it comes to the finances and the attendance. Um, expect that 30% dip mm-hmm. uh, and be pleasantly surprised mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> if it doesn't happen. Yep. Uh, but you're also like, this will depend on the timing of the transition, uh, if, you know, for every church and uh, our transition has spanned two uh, fiscal years. You know, the, the transition started in 2020. We, our fiscal year is January to December. So our transition started in June Mm -hmm. and we are, you know, still looking here in January of 2024, which by the way, we probably should have led with this, but this is our first episode of 2024. Happy New Year, Kyle. Happy New Year, Derek. Uh, But we, like when you're looking at making your budget yeah. for the next year, when you're in transition, uh, you know, I think you're expecting that, uh, okay, I might, I might plan on the conservative side when it comes to my youth budget. I might plan on the conservative side when it comes to how many people I'm expecting at this event. Uh, and, and be, you know, work it out so that you can be pleasantly surprised if there's more than that. Yeah. Uh, but you are going to want to have, uh, a little bit more, uh, of a cautious approach Mm -hmm. on, on some of those things. Yeah. And I think that's wise. That's, I think a lot of times people hear that or they see that and they go like, where's your faith? And it's like, Oh, I have faith, but I'm also going to be wise and I'm going to be cautious and I'm going to be a good steward. And, um, yeah, you know, it, and it just goes back to controlling what you can control. Like, you don't need to lose sleep over that. Like, like the Lord is going to take care of it too. And that's, I can't think of a better way to kind of just like put an exclamation point on this whole series is that like, as much as we have our plans, as much as we have our strategies, and we need to have all of those, we have to understand the church is is the bride of Christ, right? That this is, God is going to, have his fingers in this way more than we ever 
can possibly fathom. And so, you know, when you're going through these transitions, whether you're a staff pastor, whether you're a lead pastor, whether you are the person that is leaving, uh, whatever that looks like, just understand that like the Lord will prevail and he will continue to take care of those people in your congregation. He will continue to be with those that are transitioning out. Like the Lord is bigger than our plans. He's bigger than our struggles, our worries, all these things that every person knows. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that, but like, don't get so sucked into the details of trying to fix this thing that you forget that the Lord's on the throne mm-hmm. and to lean into him and to just rely on him and to let him take the reins. Because as much as this, as much as this transition in your church took everyone by surprise in his infinite wisdom, the Lord knew the Lord knew, you know, mm-hmm. and like he, as a result, he knows when your senior pastor is going to step in who it is and what's going to look like after that. So like you can take solace in the fact that he's got it. Yeah, I'm I'm not going to, you know, sit here and lie to our listeners that the last 6 months hasn't been a roller coaster. Uh-huh. And, uh you know, looking forward like we began this episode with, like there's there's plenty of unknown. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, for me professionally. Totally. Uh I, you know, I it's it's a weird position to be in, you know, sitting in your job knowing that you know, it's it's not a guarantee that you keep it. Yeah. Uh but at the same time I think that there is an incredible piece that can be there just knowing that like, Hey, whatever does come of this, uh, it is not a surprise to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, it is his plan. Mm-hmm. And, and I know that, uh, there's, there's going to be awesome things ahead, uh, for me and for my wife and for our family. And, and I know that there's going to be awesome things ahead for, uh, the, our youth students mm-hmm. and, and for them and, and their walk with the Lord. And, and I hope that those two things converge, right. uh, you know, that's, that's the, that's the desire, uh, at least until I meet the new senior pastor, then I might want out, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, just, just got to throw that in there, but, uh, no, it's, it's, uh, it's a fun and nerve wracking process to go through all at the same time. Yeah. But, uh, we're, I think I think that uh, you have no choice but to be excited for the next season mm-hmm. because if you choose any other path, uh, you will probably be miserable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I'm going to choose to be excited uh, because God is awesome. Uh, dude, that's it. That's a five-part series right there. Well done. I'm proud of us. Uh, we appreciate you guys. Uh, sticking through it, uh, checking out this series. I know that uh, we've we've heard some pretty cool feedback on it. Uh, we appreciate uh, you guys allowing us to uh, just get real for a few episodes. Uh, we will be back next week um, talking about communism. Talking about we, you know what? It is not out of the water. It, it, it like like there's there's a strong possibility that communism might genuinely come up next week uh but i'm just gonna leave that there so all right uh we'll leave that uh, we talk about that attendance dip we'll see how many we lost after, <laughs> after a comment yeah, like that the listenership of our podcast might be going down a little bit i didn't say we were endorsing it i just said it might come up uh but with that said uh kyle and derek man we appreciate you guys hanging out with us And on that note, I think it's about time I go read Mao's Little Red Book. Goodbye. Goodbye.